This is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. A weekly podcast talk show about the things that bring us together. Make us happy. Make us whole. Make us human. Hey guys, this is Joy. And this is Claire. And this is Joy and Claire. Good morning. How's your week going? Good morning and how's your week going? We're recording this on Sunday very early. Claire, I'm really impressed that you're very early Claire time. Up this and Adam. This is late in joy time, but it's very early in Claire years. Yeah. Um recently Miles when we got River, Miles discovered the concept of dog years and Oh, dog years, not dog yeah. ears. Not dog ears, dog years. Years. On yes. And then he started like just thinking that everything would ha- should have its own measurement of time. So like tree years. Oh, I love that. Right. So what does he come up with? Oh, everything. I mean, mom, how many? How old am I? You're five and a half. Well, what is that in tree years? I was like, I don't know, Miles. This is a unit You're of like measurement you invented. It's so right. cute. <laughs> it's probably like a month actually, because trees live to be, you know. So like, he basically, you know, has been discovering ages, and so he asks everyone on the street, "How old are you? How old's oh, your mom?" That's so cute. How like old we is at, your mom? Like we were at the park, and there was like this, you know, t- some little kids there with their grandparents, and he went up to their grandparents, and he, they were, he was like, "How old are you? How old's your mom?" <laughs> and she was like, <laughs> She was like 70 and she was like, uh. (laughs) Oh, that's so cute. I was like, I'm sorry. He wants to know how old everyone is. Yeah, I'll never forget. I was at dinner with a friend uh, last year. Well, no, not last year. It was before COVID. And her like three-year-old, we were sitting there at dinner. She, we were at like a booth so you could see behind us. And the little girl was like, grandpa, like really loud. (laughs) The guy was older, and we just started laughing so hard. We're like, "Sorry, we just like Sorry, I, you're, you're not old, but she just you know she only has like two points right. of reference for right. ages. You know, that's my. I mean, that's you know, it's so cute. Yeah. So the other thing Miles is like super into right now is knock knock jokes, but he doesn't understand why knock knock jokes are funny. So he'll just be like, "Knock knock, who's there? Pizza, pizza, who? We are eating pizza." <laughs> <laughs> like we are eating pizza. Thank you. That's hilarious. Thank you for telling me that through a knock knock joke. I love it. I but love he also loves the interrupting knock knock jokes. Are you familiar with these? <gasps> yes. Yeah. Oh should my we, gosh. Should we do one? Yeah. Okay. This is Miles's favorite. Okay. Knock knock. Who's there? Interrupting bottom. Interrupting bottom. Who? <laughs> I like the interrupting cow one personally. Yeah. I mean, they're all good ones, but turns out you can interrupt with literally anything. Literally anything, and so, why not a fart? <laughs> He'll be like interrupting pizza, interrupting pizza. Nom 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 nom. Like, just like <laughs> he'll do any anything you're looking at or holding or interacting with. Yeah, it's I so love funny. It. That's so great. Okay, so before we get too far into this episode, we wanted to make a few corrections from our episode, um, not the one with Justin, but the one prior to that. So thank you guys as always for writing in and letting us know if there's anything that we ever say that rubs you the wrong way really badly or that is inaccurate. Um, so the first one is that the I don't even remember their name. What's the name of the person who's being who was we talked about being bullied by Chrissy? Oh, Courtney Stoddard. Right. So Courtney Stoddard does not use she her pronouns. They use they them pronouns as of April or May of this year. So right. thank you for pointing that out. We also got that wrong with Demi Lovato a couple weeks ago. I'm not realizing that they had also changed to they them right. pronouns. So and I actually did know that, but I totally messed it up. I was like, well, yes. And so right. Right. that was completely something that I forgot to look at for Courtney Stoddard that they had changed the pronouns. 
So thank you guys for telling us that. And we definitely are going to be better about doing due diligence around that. You know, right. And to never assume. To right. just never, never assume. assume. Yeah. And I just failed on that part. And then the other one. Um, was the talking about master bath and master bedroom. So last year, um, when, you know, last summer when everybody kind of started rushing to update the way that they talked about things and, and update the way that different, looking at different phrases and looking at different terms that, you know, when the Dixie Chicks just became the Chicks, one of the things, one of the other phrases that was brought up was the phrase master bath and master bedroom and how that phrase is a relic, not a relic, but, you know, was created to refer to the bed in the bedroom and the bathroom of the master of the plantation of the slave master. And so the preferred terminology is main bedroom and main bathroom. So thank you guys for bringing that up, reminding me of that. Um, that's another one of those where I had known about it. And the commentary I had read about it from a few black activists was, you know, don't change this. Like, don't change the name master bath, change, change housing policies. And so I had sort of read that a few times and thought, okay, well, this isn't a big deal. I'll just keep calling it this. But then a few people, few people brought it up after last week's episode, and it made me realize, okay, this is a bigger deal. And you know, just because you read a few people's opinions about something and think, oh, okay, I don't have to change that, or I do, or I should change that, or whatever, it's always really helpful for me to continue to hear people's opinions and to continue to you know hear what stands out to people and to realize, okay, just because I've read one person's opinion, that doesn't necessarily mean it's the final answer on the subject. Um, and then there was also some feedback about the way we were talking about celebrities and about, you know, like, I can't remember of celebrities' names ever. The Kimmy Schmidt girl. Oh, Ellen, no. Ellie something. Ellie Kemper. Kemper. I was going to say Ellie Goulding, but she... Well, I almost wanted to say Ellen Pompeo, and I was like, no, nope, that's not Grey's Anatomy. Ellie Kemper and, you know, about the debutante ball um, scandal, not scandal, but, you know, the debutante ball thing with her and and just that, you know, we had been speaking about it very flippantly and very sort of like, oh, it's not a big deal, but it is a big deal. And, you know, we need to just be more aware of the way that we discuss issues related to gossip and that, you know, for us, it is just sort of like, oh, yeah, I heard this thing. Let's chat about it. I don't really know, you know, and we don't really do a lot of research into it typically and for issues that have that deeper significance having these just surface level commentary on them can feel very dismissive for people where those issues did really hit home so thank you as always for bringing things like that up to us we are always very open to feedback at the end of the day our number one priority is to always be open to changing our point of view updating our language updating the things that we say correcting ourselves we always are really, really grateful for the opportunity to correct ourselves. So, okay. I just wanted to put that out there. And again, thank you everyone for writing in. And thank you again. I mean, we have the best community. People don't bash us typically. You know, when when people write in to us and let us know, hey, this XYZ thing got flagged in my brain when I was listening to this, it's always so respectful and very much from a place of like, I want you to know that this upset me or that this, you know, rubbed me the wrong way. Not like a, how dare you, you... POSs. Exactly. Exactly. So thanks for not yelling at us. Exactly. Well, I think that throughout the years of doing this podcast, my hope is that everyone knows that we are wanting this to be a place of respect and love for one another. And and inclusion. Everyone is welcome. (laughs) And um, if there's any time that we are totally missing the mark, we want to know so we can correct it. 
And also, I think that, you know, any human on this earth is 100 times more likely to hear feedback and correct what they were doing, In a, you know, if it's presented in a way that's not aggressive or defensive, you know, going to make you feel defensive. And so um, that always is just nice too, to not have to like, yeah. It's nice and it's nice. I mean, it's not it's not owed to us by any means, right? I, I was gonna say I'm like, deeply. and people can be pissed off too. Totally. You know, I, I you know, it's kind of but, but we're I'm I'm a sensitive snowflake, so I <laughs> like you. We are I open just, to feedback and if you tell us ahead of time. don't throw things at me. <laughs> I mean, and that is a hard thing too. You know, it's like it totally is when it totally you. Is are on Instagram or getting an email or whatever, you're not always in the mindset to receive corrections. And that can be tricky, you know, when something comes out and then you get, you start to get comments or, you know, you are driving and you check your inbox and all of a sudden you like are- You're like- (gasps) Right, put into this completely, like you have to go into this mental space that you- weren't in before and you weren't ready for and it can feel kind of jarring and it can feel like this knee-jerk reaction you can kind of like get your hackles up get your hackles up (laughs) you know like a dog (laughs) yeah totally and i think that is something that i try to do you joy you you humanity (laughs) you humanity i think that i have been more aware of trying to set a boundary that i don't check social media or emails at night because if i see something that is either i don't know that makes me feel a negative feeling that i'll be up all night So it's not that I don't want to hear it. It's just we are in a place where we're putting ourselves on a platform. And I think even more so, it's really important for us to be um, respectful and speaking of things in a respectful way. And if it ever comes across that we're not, we want people to talk about it because that's something that's important to us for our community. I always get so scared of hurting feelings. You know, we don't, yeah. we never want to hurt feelings. So that's, and I think it's, that's, it's, it's all just a good point about boundaries around social media that all of us kind of have entered into this phase of humanity where we're all open to everyone else's opinions. Exactly. At yeah. any moment of the day. And that's really overwhelming. It is. Yeah. So I was gonna say, speaking of overwhelming, how, how are you, Joy? Oh, my love. <laughs> um, I am feeling my feelings that's like my number one rule recently okay. I've been like what does that mean though <laughs> um that's a good question too i uh okay so just in case people have missed that i left my job about a month ago there's probably a story that i will tell in about a year maybe six months to a year from now i'll i'll talk a little bit more about that but right now it's just leaving it as i left my job and the past month has been a lot of a lot of soul searching. When I say feeling my feelings, it's I have been working straight with no breaks other than, you know, a week or two vacation here and there since 2001, 2003. So I haven't had like a really significant piece of time off, chunk of time off in that long. So this decision and this whole situation was not something that I was like really ready for. And with that comes a lot of emotions. And I think that throughout this whole time, I'm like, I'm going to feel my feelings, meaning I'm not going to jump into something right away. And my inclination and my type of personality is like, all right, I got to go the next thing. I got to make some goals. I'm going to make, I got to get another job. I got to make a plan. And that is lists, routines, And also kind of just like moving on, quote unquote, moving on. And so like the first week of all of this time off, I was really sad and I was really frustrated and I was really like, I don't know, all over the place emotionally. And the second week I was 
a little angry and emotional. And I'm like, okay, the I was kind of making this whole scenario like it was going to be linear, which I know it's not going to be linear. But I was expecting like, the further I got away from the job that I was in, the better that I would feel. And that's kind of just like what I made up in my head is almost like grief in a way where you're like, okay, more time will heal. It hasn't. And that's okay. But when I say feel my feelings, what I'm trying to say is that I'm not going to drown myself in goals and plans and structure and trying to make a new routine for myself because that would be ignoring my feelings. So if if I'm feeling angry, I'm just going to let myself feel angry and not judge it. And that whole kind of cliche thing of like not judging your feelings. But for myself personally, what I tend to do is I try to pick myself up, move on and also um, have a quote unquote, like I'll show them mentality where I just like make all these goals and try to accomplish, accomplish, accomplish as like a big kind of screw you, (laughs) which does nothing because nobody cares what I'm doing. Like nobody cares. Checking up on you. Nobody's checking up on me. No one's like, what's joy doing? And, And so I kind of equate it to like, you know, a boyfriend that you wish would miss you. 1000%. Yeah. You hope that they're sitting there being like, if only Joy was still here to, to tell totally. us how to do this. Yeah. Totally. And I'm like, they don't care. They don't care. And so it's just funny. I kind of joke m- with myself that I'm like listening to all these like bad breakup songs. And like, it truly is feeling like a boyfriend who just doesn't miss you that you're like, I wish I'll show you, you know, so I'm going to go get Yeah, you're going to go in like the tight dress to the club and stand across from them and try to get them. Yeah, totally. Like I'm going to go on Khloe Kardashian's revenge body, like (laughs) the worst show ever. (laughs) Oh, it's so funny. So anyway, that is where I'm at is I am not you're in the revenge body phase. I'm in the revenge body phase. I'm really trying to just be aware of every single emotion I have and to just like sit in it because I'm not, even though I'm a therapist, I'm not good at sitting in my own like feelings and crap. And I tend to just be like, let's move on. Let's accomplish. Let's go, 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 go. So that's what I mean when I say feel my feelings, because it's different for everybody, but I have just been in this place of like ups and downs and fear and scared. And a lot of people wrote when I did like a Q and a this week of like, Hey, any advice for leaving a job? And I'm like, yeah, I mean, there's so many different scenarios. I'm not going to be the person that's just say jump and leave your job if you're unhappy. But if you have to be in a situation where you do leave, make a plan, have a plan. I don't have a plan. Like I am not in a scenario where I have a plan. So I'm not doing something that like I would give advice for. (laughs) It just kind of happened the way that it happened. And so I think... uh, Right. Ask you, ask in a year for advice. Ask in a year. Yeah. Ask in a year. I'm still too far in in it to really kind of have that clear mind of what is the right way to react to something like this. And I don't think there is. But, you know, the other day when I was texting you, I was like, uh, I'm having a real hard day. I, I am feeling so aimless when I have all of the things I need to have done by 9am. And what do I do with the rest of the day? And some people would be like, I would kill to have that scenario. And I'm like, it is terrifying to me. (laughs) And it was interesting when I was texting you that I was realizing like, this is what a lot of us went through last year during lockdown when all of our activities were taken away. And you didn't ever experience that. No, because I was just like going I was I had the exact same life through the pandemic. And if anything, your job got more busy and more crazy and more hectic. And even though maybe like you couldn't go to the gym, you were doing the Peloton treadmill and right, you know, you're like you didn't have that same thing where all of a sudden the majority of us were like, I can't leave my neighborhood. I guess like my new activity is 
going is you know setting an alarm to remind me to go for a walk. Right. Exactly. Where my job we just kept going. Right. Um, and aside from the you know obviously the social aspect of not seeing people, my job was the same. I was going yeah. to work every single day. Nothing changed, just except for there were no patients coming into the building. But right. Um, yeah. So so that was a really good point when you said that because I'm like, oh, is this what you guys experienced? Because I am freaking out. Yeah. Just like your routine completely being blown up. Yeah. And yeah. even though right, like the idea of having quote unquote free time sounds like the dream. Even people who don't work still have things throughout their day that you know mark their day right that mark their day yeah and you know humans are creatures of habit and humans need structure and i've been so i talked a little bit about i'll get into this like irish book i'm reading later but yeah even like reading about civilizations that lived in mud huts you know even they had and we talked about this with casper ceremonies rituals rituals ways to start the day ways to mark the middle of the day ways to mark the end of the day like intrinsically even early humans gravitated and needed you know gravitated towards these routines so you know just being adrift in a sea of whatever you want to do is not as relaxing as it sounds it's it's really not and and you know i'm definitely taking advantage of it at the same time so going from 100 miles an hour to now really going 25 miles an hour is a huge change for me but i'm also just being like hey this is just your life right now and you're gonna things are gonna be okay I'm trying to do as much as I can to not fall into like a deep, dark depression. And really that for me, that just has to do with making small goals throughout the day. So like you suggested, suggested you're like, hey, at three o'clock, try out a new beverage, like buy a bunch of new beverages, go to Whole Foods, but you you love beverages and try a new beverage at three o'clock every day, like do things like that, that kind of are a ritual and something to schedule. And so I'm doing it. It sounds very silly in the grand scheme of things, especially with my you know past life of doing 100 things a day is I will do anything to run an errand like running errands for me is like, I'm going to go to the post office and mail this letter in person. I'm going to run that errand. I'm going to run that errand. I'm going to go get my I, my car is very clean, even more clean than it is <laughs> normally. Uh, I wash my car. I walk the dogs a lot. I go to the neighbors every single day and we play with the dogs. We have dog dates. And so I'm just making these new routines my normal, which feels really good. Sitting down and having lunch and not rushing through lunch. Letting myself take naps throughout the day. (laughs) It's like, don't hate me. But around two or three o'clock, I like lay down with the dogs and then we just take a nap. It's just... These are the times where I'm like, I just need to let myself have this time off and also not feel guilty about it because I've been such a workhorse my whole life and I do like working. So having time off makes me feel like I'm not accomplishing things. And and it's also making me realize like I I associate a lot of my self-worth with accomplishments and blah, blah, blah. So just being like, hey, this is a blip in your life and you'll get through it. I'm, you know, I'm making it my job right now to search for jobs and job hunting is really in and of itself a job. It really is. Oh my gosh. It's so, I mean, I can't tell you how many times, and I knew this was going to happen, but like I have put in so many applications and have received just as many rejection letters, like the automatic. If you hear back at all. If you hear back at all. And I knew that this was a thing. I mean, I've been job hunting for like the past few years, just kind of off and on. So this is not a new thing for me. I've kind of been planning my next step 
unofficially. I think it's un. I like. I feel like everyone always sort of makes all these disclaimers when they talk about how they've been looking for jobs. I honestly think that every single person out there, unless you're in like a tenured position or something, every one of us should always know what's going on in the job market. We should all, you know, totally. should be looking at jobs at least a couple times a month. You should just sure. be getting I think on LinkedIn that's a great and point. scrolling through. Yep. Because that not only do you, you know, you never know what's out there, but also it helps you be aware of what the pay range should be. 100%. For, and like what the, you know, I love reading job descriptions of other types of positions similar to mine because I like to see what out, what else is out out there in terms of like, oh, maybe I could be thinking about doing more of XYZ because I see that this similar role is more heavily geared towards that. Yeah, exactly. Career development, it doesn't have to be all about looking to jump ship all the time. Right, exactly. And it shouldn't be a negative thing to your current employer. It's it just shouldn't feel like a threat. Definitely not. And if it is, that's unfortunate. But I think that you should always be looking, like you said, around where you stand if you're paid enough, and especially as women. I recently learned that Colorado has, I don't know if it's a law or what. It is. It, so it's a new law this year. Oh, okay. Around pay transparency. Right. That if you post a job posting, you are required, required to, to post the, the salary. salary range, which I think every single person out there should be po- should If you are posting a job do. that yep. does not include the salary range in the job post, stop I don't it. apply. If no, I, I don't if apply. there's no. Yeah, if there's no pay range in the job description, I pass through it. I'm like, it's no, like, I'm not going to waste pay my time. Pay is commensurate on um, no, experience. Absolutely like, not. what does that even mean? What does that even mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I just completely pass by job descriptions that don't have the pay range. But I have been really living my life on LinkedIn. I like Indeed and I like Glassdoor. I, I, usually, I use Glassdoor to look for company ratings to see what people are saying about the companies. So I usually use Glassdoor for that. But I really found, and I don't know what you feel, but I found that LinkedIn is much more user-friendly. It feels more approachable. Approachable, user-friendly. I feel like the searches are easier. Yeah, you can, uh, like, you can communicate with the hiring, not the hiring managers, but you yeah, can the posting with the recruiter, recruiters mm-hmm. or the posting people. You can communicate with them easily. So I feel like that is just something that I've been learning through this whole experience. But definitely, definitely, I'm very grateful for living in the state of Colorado because it's interesting that the job posting will say, Colorado residents, here's the job Here's the uh, the pay range. And I'm like, why aren't you doing that for every state? Mm-hmm. But it's because Colorado made it a lot, which is another reason why I love living here. I think it's interesting, too. Like, I've been talking a lot about – I think I've been talking a lot about job transitions with a lot of my friends. And I think right now the job market – is kind of hot and cold. Like mm-hmm. if you go and start looking for jobs, you're like, oh my gosh, there's so much out there. There's so many out there. Yeah. But then I think a lot of people are having that thought. And so there's, yeah, there's so much out there, but a lot of people are also applying. And I can't remember if we already talked about this or not, but one of my friends who does all the hiring for the the um, company she works for was saying that she thinks that there is this, you know, and LinkedIn has talked about this, like the great resignation that everyone's quitting their jobs right now. And I mean, there's a labor oh, shortage. Yeah, there's a labor shortage and that's its whole own thing because of minimum wage being really horrible. But yeah, even higher level jobs, a lot of people are resigning. And one of the concepts behind that is thinking like people haven't been able to change anything about their lives for a year and a half. And now they 
they're like, you know what, I'm gonna get a new job. It's a good point. And I it's do think, point. yeah, it's interesting. And you know, a lot of and then you, but then and you also have the added thing that people are coming off unemployment. Our states are starting to reduce unemployment benefits again, and so maybe they're getting more motivated to look for a higher paying job. It's different than what they were doing before. And right, it's really interesting that the job market right now, when you look, when you start looking, you're like, this is gonna be great. There's so many jobs, and then you start applying, and you're like, hello, anyone out there? Anyone? Yeah. Do you feel like it's all who you know? A thousand percent. Yeah, I've so never too. gotten a job at a company where I didn't know someone. Yeah. Which is crappy because that like has so many implications for privilege. For sure. Actually, the company I work for, you, there used to be like a referral bonus. They got rid of that because they were like, this is this is like just keeping us from being motivated to hire diverse people who have diverse backgrounds because mm-hmm. we're basically just, our hiring pipeline is just people that we know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've been thinking about a lot about that because when I was hiring, I was a hiring manager at my previous job. And so I would, you know, be going through resumes. And I never, you know, I would take into account when people gave recommendations, but I also would would interview people that we didn't know. And usually it worked out really, really well. So I just find it interesting because I will still apply to jobs, but in my head, I'm like, I'm, who knows? Who knows where this is going to go? If it's going to go into the abyss, it only, <laughs> this is like, duh obvious but it's like it only takes one person to say yes and to hire you so it's kind of that old cliche of you're just gonna have to keep searching until you find that one i will also say though like i have gotten a job in the past where i was i i did get the random interview not knowing someone did really well in the interview ended up not getting it because they hired internally which also makes me crazy although i say that having you know applied to internal jobs as well being like but i'm internal right 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 and but then I stayed in touch with that manager and then they ended up helping me get another job. So it was like, I didn't get that job, but be, through that experience, sure. I was you recommended just for another know. position. Right. Yeah. You just never know. So I've been I've been having this uh, mantra play through my head recently that's just, just start, which was from my boss at the DA's office, one of my bosses at the DA's office who just was so inspiring and such a great manager and reminded me that you don't have to have a perfect plan to just start something. So I'm trying to do that thing where if I'm hesitant about anything, I'm like, just start, just do something, just, you know, put in that application or, you know, sign up on BetterHelp. I actually just signed up on BetterHelp because I'm like, I, to be a therapist, because I want to, and this kind of goes against with me, like just kind of being and not making too many goals, but I do feel like I need to keep something churning in my brain that is professional work because otherwise I'm going to go nuts. And so I'm like, this is something that I can just do is to sign up on better help as a therapist and just do it. And I was hesitant. I'm like, should I, should I not? I'm like, no, just start, just do something. So yeah. these are the things that I'm just like trying to tell myself instead of, spinning out and being like, what's going to happen? Because that's going to get me nowhere. So the other piece that you and I texted about briefly was like cultivating joy. And I talked to my naturopath about this too, because, you know, she knew some of the situation. And when I told her, you know, that I was no longer there, she was like, this is an opportunity for you to really a focus on your health and you're going to be a lot healthier and your health is going to thrive because of this and to create joy in your life and not to sound too like this is the secret but truly I believe in 
I, I, I do believe in aspects of the law of attraction is that when you're in a place of joy and happiness, that is what's going to flow into your life or you're going to be more aware of those things. And so that's something that I'm really trying to focus on every day. And I'm not used to that. I'm used to just kind of churning through the day, getting done what I need to get done and not thinking about what's going to make me happy. And I realize there's a whole host of privilege wrapped up in that, but it's just very much like what's what truly is something that I can do today that's just a simple joy. And that's not something that I've been focusing on at all. <laughs> the past years. Yeah, I think it's interesting to when you do get those like, those opportunities to take a break from really, you know, I hate the phrase the grind, but it is kind of a grind. Like you just yeah. you get into a routine and you don't know what you're missing and you suddenly when that goes away, if anyone has ever have an, had an experience of these routines you take for granted sort of quickly going away. <laughs> right. Suddenly, that's what I'm looking for, suddenly going away. It is amazing to realize how much you miss in terms of like miss, like not notice, not misses and long for. Like it's crazy to realize like how much about your life you were not noticing. You don't notice. Because yes. of you were just in this routine. Right. And that's a huge thing that has kind of hit me in the face was I didn't realize how much I was missing as in not noticing because of the grind that I was in. And it truly, truly was. And so that's, an, I guess, a silver lining that I've been noticing. Wow, I actually don't want that. And I was listening to Brene Brown's Dare to Lead podcast recently with her two sisters. She had an episode with her two sisters and her twin sisters. So her recent podcast with her two sisters, they talked about this inventory, and I'll post the link uh, in the show notes about kind of where your cup is full in certain areas of your life. And one of them that they talked about was your fulfillment and your satisfaction with your job and what you what you're doing with your life. And they were all like, we're really grateful that we're at a like a 10 out of 10 with that. And I thought for a second, I was like, wow, that's one of my goals. I want to be at a, a 10 out of 10 of what I'm doing with my life, like in, as a profession. And I didn't really stop to think about sometimes when I'm applying to jobs, I'm like, would I really want to do that? Or am I doing that because I'm like, well, this is a good salary. It makes you feel like you're getting something done by applying. Right, exactly. And so that's something that I've been thinking a lot about too. But um, the last thing I will ask, and I think if listeners have insight about this as well, but I want to hear what you think as far as I struggle with, there's jobs that I see that I would love to do, but they pay nothing. Like there's jobs where I'm like, I would love to be a co-responder. There's a lot of jobs out there right now, especially with the police departments because they want mental health people co-responding with incidents. I'm like, that just sounds amazing. I miss working for the state. And there's certain jobs I'm like, they just pay nothing. And I'm like, And I have a lot of experience and I want to be compensated for that. And so there's that like almost martyr selfish reason that comes into play. It's like, well, you're not being a martyr if you want to get paid. (laughs) Right, exactly. You're not. That's 0% true. I think there's, there's two things you're talking about here. And I think that they are important to pull apart. The first one is that you are very qualified to be extremely instrumental in programs that are potentially underfunded. And so there's one aspect of taking a pay cut because it's something you believe in and you know that whatever that service is cannot support paying someone more. Right. You know, co-responding, working for a nonprofit, these are passion jobs, you know, that those and I wish, you know, I feel like nonprofit salaries are its whole own episode. Yes. But 
And I think that then the question is like, is not like, well, am I not going to be valued? It's more like, can I financially do this versus signing up or applying for a job at like a corporation or, you know, a really stable in a stable program or something where you know that they could pay you more, but they just don't value this position at that level. And I think those are two separate things. Like when you look at a job and you're like, like, for example, I'll look at like a marketing manager job and then I'll say like, okay, here are your responsibilities. The pay is 50 to 60,000. And I'm like, I'm the, I know for a fact that these responsibilities are worth more than 50 to 60,000 for the amount of like experience that I would be bringing to them. Right. Versus if I were to see, oh, you know, this is a a marketing consultant position for a, you know, nonprofit or for a shelter or for whatever, and it can pay 40 to 50. I would more look at that and think, okay, they really need someone to ha- to do these things, exactly. but they can only pay forty to fifty. And so, like the the difference is, in my opinion, that those the the organization that truly can't afford to pay someone more, they're going to have to deal with what they get. Versus the corporation, you know, is in my mind knowingly lowballing it. Right. That's a good point. That's a good point. I think it's just that maybe if this is a female thing, I don't know if it's an all genders thing, but I just feel like the martyrdom gets pretty loud with like, am I being selfish by, you know, not pursuing this passion because the pay is crap. Because <laughs> I'm I like, mean, I want to yeah. get paid more. No, I have I almost 20 fine. years of experience. I'm like, come on. <laughs> and then maybe instead what you do is you reach out to that organization and say, can I be on your board? You know what yeah. I mean? Like, that's you true. That's find very true. another yeah. way to offer your expertise and your help without being the person who is getting paid, an, you know, an entry level salary with a senior management level of experience. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. I'd love people to weigh in on that because that's something that I struggle with often. And I think it kind of goes back to just how you're raised around money and your beliefs around money. And it's like, I just... I think that it also... I would love to hear from people who are in a job where they know full well that their same job in another industry, maybe in the for-profit world or corporate world, would pay significantly more. And not why you do it, because I think, you know, we can all kind of imagine the fulfillment Um, and the other side of that conversation. But just, you know, how does that feel? And when I first started out my career, you know, straight out of college, I wanted, I worked in nonprofits. I was an intern because I graduated in, in the peak of the recession. I was an unpaid intern for like the first two years of my career just doing anything I could, literally just working for free because I mm-hmm. there weren't any jobs. And I lived, you know, in like gr- group housing with a bunch of raft guides. I like, you know, ate, there was like a whole six month period where I pretty much only ate extra food from the backpacking gear closet. Like I would bring home the extra food after the backpacking trips were over. And I just, and we just like, I mean, like we brought some groceries, but that's like, that's mostly what we ate. Sure. Yeah. And I pretty much realized like if I want to make more than literally 40 grand a year ever, I can't be I can't work for a nonprofit. And I was going to go into nonprofit management like I was like, you know, applying to grad programs and I realized like this is not sustainable and so maybe, you know, I'll just volunteer or whatever that looks like. You know, support in other ways. Right, support in other ways, donate. You know, I like I know that we Will Lanier talked about this where he decided, you know, he was he runs the Out Foundation and Out Athletics. He decided to go to law school because finally one of his mentors told him like you can do good while still doing well. Yes. You don't have to struggle, struggle, struggle in order to to change change the world, change something. Yeah, and I think it, you know, those two things don't have to be mutually exclusive, so it doesn't mean that 
to do good, you have to take less pay, you can do good and make money. But I think there's just that mindset of money equals bad. And that's just not true. But I grew up in a household that was blue collar, hardworking, we did not have a lot of money. And it was more of just be grateful for what you have and give where you can. And money doesn't mean anything, you know, money doesn't bring you happiness, which is true. And I shouldn't feel guilty for having experience and asking for a salary that I feel like I'm worth. So that's where I think I run up against that weird, you know, old belief system. Yeah. And there's that, you know, money doesn't buy you happiness. But yeah, true. But there is a certain point in that studies have been done on this that show, okay, quote unquote, money doesn't buy you happiness, but a certain amount of money does relieve stress to the point of benefiting your health, benefiting your lifespan, benefiting, you know, totally. And so like money doesn't buy you happiness doesn't mean just be grateful that you are below the poverty line, you know, be grateful for what you have. Absolutely. There's always that perspective, right? Like you want to have perspective, you want to be grateful for what you have, while also acknowledging like having a little more could really help in a lot of areas of your life. And I think there also, so that that phrase just be grateful for what you have is so dismissive and is so limiting and it really holds people back because they don't want to ask for more and they're like oh no i'm just should just be grateful for what i have right bs you know don't be great like you're being you, difficult yeah you can be great by the way you can be grateful for what you have and still asking for more and always asking for more always yeah. asking for more like that you wanting more doesn't mean you aren't grateful for what you have or that you're taking from other people or and i think that that is like a huge dichotomy that isn't real that just because you want more means you must not appreciate what you have i think so many of us believe that whether it's about money whether it's about our relationships whether it's about our bodies whether it's about our you know any name any part of your life there is this underlying belief that if you want something else or something more that must mean that you don't appreciate what you have in this moment and that's just doesn't have to be true right it doesn't have to be true yeah so you know you can be grateful for what you have and still want more yes if anything it makes sense to be like yeah i love this more please more please (laughs) okay that's a good that's a good conversation for continuing the conversation because yes. that's something that I feel like I'm constantly thinking about especially now. So I'll keep you guys posted. Everything's in transition. I'm taking it day by day, feeling my feelings and walking my dogs a lot. Walking the dogs. So I want to give you guys a quick update on my health and blood work because I recently got my updated blood work. So just to recap, I was diagnosed with Graves disease back in the fall. And I went on a six-month treatment plan with a naturopathic doctor, Dr. Kayla Cook, who I asked to be on the show, and she said yes. So I was very excited about that. So we'll be planning a date for her to come on the show. And I'm already not scared, but like, oh my gosh, I'm not going to get through. It's going to be an hour, and I'll be like, we just scratched the surface because she is she's a talker, and... She has so much good information to talk about that it's just going to be like, uh, we were, we're going to get through like two questions. So I'm like, can we do like five episodes? Anyway, so I recently got updated blood work. So we've been just tracking my blood work for my thyroid, my T, my TSH, my which is the thyroid stimulating hormone, my T3 and T4, and my lipid panel, as well as my liver. And so uh, my naturopathic doctor was worried because my cholesterol was really, really low back in the fall, along with really poor liver labs and my thyroid all over the place. So my recent blood work 
And it's been creeping up and getting a lot better. So I got recent blood work and the T3 and T4 are back in the normal range, which is huge. You guys, it was like way out of range. Now it's normal, totally normal range, not close to normal. It is in the normal range. My cholesterol is back up and this is where my naturopath will talk about this, but she talked about how low cholesterol doesn't always mean it's a good thing. And mine was really, really low, which she says you're, that was probably attributed to my liver not do it, doing its job. So now that my liver's back, liver's doing great, thyroid's doing great. My thyroid stimulating hormone is still a little bit low, but it's creeping up pretty slowly. And she says, because the T3 and T4 are normal, the TSH should go back to normal. And TSH apparently is really affected by stress. And because I just had like two, three months of very stressful work situations, um, she's like, that doesn't surprise me at all. So some someone asked, I recently did a Q&A and someone asked, you know, now that you're in what Dr. Cook says, lifelong remission, because I said, do you say cured? And she's like, well, you know, doctors like to say lifelong remission or in remission. And someone asked, well, does that mean you're never going to get it again? And my answer to that is absolutely not, because I could potentially get it again. Because if I don't, if I go back to what I was doing, you bet your bottom dollar, (laughs) I'm going to get this again, or something similar. Maybe I'll have Hashimoto's instead of Graves, who knows. But the pace that I was going at was unsustainable. And, you know, six months later, seven months later, eight months later, now I can see that pace was not sustainable. So if I go back to what I was doing, yes, I could get this again. But because I'm on a maintenance plan and doing well with it, I'm going to continue to do that. That has a lot to do with managing my stress, which I know is very cliche and I feel like it's overstated all the time, like manage your stress. But for me, that meant making sure I got enough sleep, making sure that I was drinking water, make sure that I was fueling myself, make sure that I wasn't over-exercising, which I tend to do when I'm stressed out, is I will, quote unquote, relieve stress, will relieve life stress by working out. And that actually blew up in my face because I was doing too much intense exercise, which I think we equate to better And that's just not the case. So I very closely monitor my heart rate when I work out now. I don't do anything high intense. And if I do, I get my heart rate down quickly. So I've started doing jogs again, but I don't run and I don't do really hard long runs. So I'll do like little hit training sessions. I'll do walk and runs on the Peloton and that feels really good. But I watch my heart rate and I don't have any interest in maxing out anymore or pushing past the, like the pain level. You know how in CrossFit, you're always just like, your heart rate is so high that you feel like you're going to die. I will never do that again because that is what led to my body just getting completely burnt out. And I think it's like, maybe not ironic, but I do remember last summer us both talking about like, we're working out more than we would really recommend or know is healthy because of this. We're using it as a coping mechanism. And Absolutely. Even though you completely acknowledged and recognized that, that didn't absolve you of the consequences. Right. Yeah. And so you think you're doing something good for your body, but it's really, I mean, and I would kind of caution everybody to just listen to your body. If you feel like moving is great, but you don't have to kill yourself in workouts, you just don't. And I am a testament of how it can go really poorly and then how you can just maintain a healthy lifestyle by just going on walks with your dogs. And walking on the treadmill, yoga, things that aren't pushing your heart rate to the max. And so that's something that I will continue to do. 
I'm not going to, there's no going back to what I was doing before because that just was what led me into this problem. So moderate exercise, I'm going to follow the diet that she put me on, which is eliminating dairy and eliminating a sugar and fruit combo. But please don't come at me about that. That's something that she and I have worked on. And also, you know, there's a, there's a whole host of things that she has me doing that is really kind of more simple throughout the day. But it's just stress is huge on us, you guys. Just please, please, please take care of yourselves around the stress. And especially if you're exercising to relieve stress, just watch that because that's like speaking from experience that just kind of led to a whole host of problems. But the other piece I wanted to just reiterate is that working with a naturopath for Graves' disease does not mean that I don't support Western medicine. I will say that until I'm blue in the face. Western medicine is amazing. Western medicine has also saved my life. So I just chose to work with a naturopath for this specific diagnosis because I did not want to remove my thyroid or kill my thyroid. And that is just a personal decision I made. It has nothing to do with thinking Western medicine is bad. I absolutely think Western medicine is amazing and naturopath Eastern medicine is amazing and both can be true at the same time. And like we talked about at the beginning of all this, it wasn't that you were like, I never want to like Western medicine is crappy and I never want to go down that road. You were more like, I need to pursue this other option first to know that I have exhausted all other options before I do this dramatic, before I kill my thyroid. And you were always very open. Like if that's what it comes down to, if that ends up being the only thing that's going to work, then so be it. But I know there are other choices out there and I'm being told that there are not. And that is why you went and really pursued this path because it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, I can't believe, you know, like this is a crappy, it wasn't like, I don't believe in this other solution. It was more just like, this feels really extreme to me. I'm going to go see what my other less extreme choices are. Right, exactly. So, and luckily it worked out and I was telling, so right now I'm not seeing Dr. Cook as often. She's actually going to, she's so amazing. She's going to teach me how to do hydrotherapy so I can just buy a machine and do hydrotherapy at home and do it with Scott too, because Scott can do hydrotherapy. We can, you can do it on anybody. And that is something that I truly believe also saved me. So hydrotherapy is the hot, cold therapy. There's a lot of ways to do it. And whenever people hear me say hydrotherapy, they think it's colonics and it's not. It is a (laughs) hot, cold therapy kind of similar to doing contrast showers, like hot, cold showers. It's similar to that, but there's like a little machine involved that feels like a tens, it feels like a tens unit. There's, there's a little bit more involved in the process, but that's really essentially what it is, is the hot, cold therapy that has been truly amazing. I'm on like some supplements that help my thyroid and I'm drinking Sole water, which is this water that's very easy to make. It's like salt water that you drink minerals drinking maybe, a lot of minerals maybe put a link in the in the uh, yeah, show notes that's a good that. point i'll put a link in for that so i'm drinking soli water i'm, I'm you know, watching my diet i'm dry brushing i'm making sure i'm sleeping and that's it and so taking naps and walking dogs take taking naps walking dogs um so as far as kind of the maintenance that's just i'm going to keep doing that and she Dr. Cook was like, I'm so glad that you're at that point. That's always my hope is that patients see that they can't go back to doing what they were doing before mm-hmm. to, to you know, get better, quote unquote. So that's where I'm at with health. And I will gladly take your questions if you have specific questions for Dr. Cook. For when we have her on the show, just email us. This is Joy and Claire at gmail.com if you want to kind of go into depth about a particular topic. 
All right. Well, we're very, 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 very excited for you. And we can't wait to have Dr. Cook on the podcast. Oh, you're going to love her. I'm very excited. She's the best. I'm so excited. I mean, not only is she an amazing physician, but she's just such a great human to talk to, too. So I'm excited. Yep. Okay. Well, we got to wrap up this week. We got to wrap it up. We got to wrap it up. We got to end at some point, you guys. You got to move on with our lives. We We got things to do. You have things to do. We got jobs to search for. Sitting in the parking lot, you know, at home, right in the parking lot. You're sitting in your driveway right now. Time to go inside. We're sorry. Time to go inside. All right. So you can always find us Instagram at Joy and Claire underscore. You can email us. This is Joy and Claire at gmail.com. If you have a, you know, we say this every time, but still just to reiterate, if you have a question, that needs an answer that's more than just like a quick yes or no or a quick, hey, what was that product? Oh, it was this. If you want something that needs more than like a sentence, please email us. Things that we need to think about and come back to get lost too quickly in our DM inbox on Instagram and then we lose it. Instagram inbox doesn't have like a comprehensive search feature. And if we can't remember your name, we're never going to be able to find you again. So please email us if you have longer questions. Right. We're not um, ignoring you. We're not We'd ignoring you. To to you. We've lost your message. We and because Instagram DMs don't have a search function. You can support the podcast by ordering your Eat to Evolve meals. The discount code is JoyClaire15. I am really becoming more and more obsessed with these every day. Like the other day. <laughs> I just had one last night that was so oh good. Gosh, and I totally so forgot good. the name of it. It was like Mongolian chicken. It was so good with Ooh. kale. Yeah. So kale. good. Who doesn't love yeah. kale? Kale, yeah. Kale, oh no. <laughs> kale, no. Uh, the other day, I like at the very last minute got pulled into this lunch meeting. And I was like, oh crap. So I walk upstairs and I was like, what the heck am I going to eat? And then literally in that moment, the angels came down and delivered my Eat to Evolve box. And the guy like knocked <gasps> the door and I was like, oh. That's the <laughs> like, best. Ran outside and grabbed it. I was so excited. I literally, so I, like, have never been so excited for a delivery. Thanks, Eat to Evolve. I know it was perfect timing. They didn't even know. Maybe they did. They were waiting. They were. Um, so go <laughs> to, eat to eat. It's eattoevolve.com. The discount code is, code is joyclaire 15 And you also can support us by sharing us with your friends, liking our podcasts, liking our social medias, liking our posts on social media and commenting yes. on those. those always, that always helps. Leave a review, leave a rating. And yeah, we're just so excited you're still here. Thank you for being here. We will talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye, Bye guys. Bye.